The Magic Book Club podcast. This is The Magic Book Club. I'm Harriet Scott. I'm very delighted to have the wonderful author Vicky Zimmerman here on The Book Club podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Talking about, amongst other things, your brand new, wonderful book, The Woman Who Wanted More. I mean, there's so much to talk to you about. It is your fifth book, but it's your first as Vicky Zimmerman. Yep, that's right. I've written four books under the pseudonym Stella Newman, and then I felt it was time to do something in my own name. So, yeah, that's why it's under a real name. Is it is it worth delving into that now? Yeah, why and not? I don't know. I, we should, for full disclosure, um, point out we're mates, aren't we? We are mates. We, we are, are mates. mates. I had the pleasure of meeting you at a party a few years ago. So, but I don't know this story. I don't know why Stella Newman and why now you're reverting to the name that I know you by. Okay, so. Um, Basically, my first book was a book called Pear Shaped and it was a novel about a breakup of a dysfunctional relationship and it was largely based on um, a relationship I'd just come out of and I wanted to write about my ex without him finding out. Um, So I hid under a pseudonym, Stella, I just like the name Stella and Newman after Paul Newman who was the most beautiful man that ever lived. And then Pear Shape became, it was, it was uh, a success and it became a bestseller. And then I thought, God, I wish I'd written it under my own name because I, I stopped caring about what he thought of me and I stopped being scared of, of his reactions. So um, that's the reason initially why I had a pseudonym. And then Did just, he know anyway? No, and it was weird. And it's actually weirdly going to be the subject of something I'm writing at the moment because um, I... When we broke up, he he was a he was a truly rubbish boyfriend. To be fair, so I never told him. Um, but when it became a bestseller and it was published in a few languages, and he was from um, his mother was from a European country in which the book was translated, and I just wanted to send him a little care package once it was published, saying hope you enjoy the book. The thing about that particular ex boyfriend was he was so um, self confident that he would have actually been delighted that I've written a book about him anyway. So. Yeah. But then you went on to write, you know, three more under Stella Newman. Yes. So I. Why change a good thing? I know. Well, I got a two book deal and then I got another two book deal. And uh, so that was all I sort of. And I sort of learnt to sign my name differently at book signings, although sometimes I got a little bit confused. Yeah. It was strange because I'm generally a very uh, honest person and it was a little bit weird having a different name, but it allowed me to perhaps be a bit. Um, more not outrageous because my books are in no way outrageous but it allowed me to perhaps say things that I might have felt a little bit fearful to say in my real name mm-hmm. gave me a little bit of distance because as a writer I can imagine it's not just pinpointing maybe ex-boyfriends but but parents and siblings do and people, next door neighbours I know and... do, do people because I mean you do draw on your real life and we'll get to that in this current mm. book but you do draw on that a lot yes I mean they say write about what you know and I have absolutely written about what I have experienced and what people close to me have experienced. Um, But I was thinking about this recently and I also think I write about what I don't know because if a situation happens uh, in my life and I find myself confused or hurt by it, it's actually really helpful. It sounds like catharsis, but it's, it's something else. But it's just to sort of write through and try and understand something and also to be able to be a bit more in control of a situation that at the time you might not have handled in the way that you'd like to have. That's good. You get to rewrite everything. Exactly. Oh, how satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Nora Ephron thing. She said that everything is material and also be the heroine of your own life. You get to rewrite it. I'm glad you brought up Nora Ephron because, oh, of course, now I've forgotten the movie, which was started off as a book. Um, Heartburn. Of course. 
that must be a huge inspiration for you. Yes. I mean, Key lime pie recipes oh, and things like that. I mean, the Book of Heartburn is one of my favourite books of all time because she just so skillfully manages to be hilarious on one page and heartbreaking on the yeah, next. Yeah. And it's obviously based on uh, her, the breakdown of her marriage when her husband ended up shagging one of their friends um, while, she, while Nora was heavily pregnant, I think. Nice. And it's just an extraordinary book and there's lots of food in it too. Um, and she managed to turn a, a brutally painful situation into art and and something that is entertaining and yet very honest. So, yeah, no, I absolutely love Nora Ephron's writing. So The Woman Who Wanted More is an extraordinary book. It's lovely. I loved reading it. Thank you. I uh, enjoyed your book launch the other night. Thank you very much. Yeah, I enjoyed it a little bit too much. Still got slightly sore head, but yes. What does it feel like to have your own book launch? Oh, it's lovely. Well, it is amazing because I just... I'm reminded I am prone to slightly negative thinking and um, worrying about the fact that, you know, all my peers have big jobs, big cars, lovely husbands and 2.4 perfect children. And I, I don't have those things. And then I do a book launch and I have so much love. I have so many amazing friends. I just have amazing friendships in my life. And and I, I feel really, really grateful and happy to be in a room with people I like who like me back and stuff. Um, gosh, that sounds like I'm a... <laughs> anyway, no, I, I, it is wonderful to be surrounded by my friends celebrating um, something that I've done on my own in a room. Writing is a weird process. It's obviously, it's obviously a solitary um, profession and you sit there with a blank page and then you write something and then you just think, no, this is rubbish, this is rubbish. And then... You rewrite it and you rewrite it, but you're still on your own in this sort of void. And then two years later, you're in a room with people, you know, with warm rosé. And mm. it's it's wonderful. It's just, it's lovely. And I, I like a party. So, no, it's, it's a really lovely night. Obviously, you're, anyone who's read any of your novels, whether it's under Stella Newman or anyone who's been lucky enough to read any of The Women Who Wanted More, will know, or followed you on Instagram, will know, you're a complete foodie. Yes, yes. I like my food. But when they, when people say write about what you know, it's good to include passions that you know, and you can you can feel it the way you write it. Um, you can you can you can feel your love of food. So your new book draws huge huge inspiration, and the and the plot is is you know a lot of it centered around this incredible cookbook that I have in my hand here. I mean, I could try and paraphrase it, or you could you could tell me about this. Okay, so the book Harriet is holding in her hand is a book called Thought for Food and um, it was published in 1957 and it was written by two ladies, Cecily Finn and Joan O'Connor and Cecily Finn was my grandmother and it's a really funny, gorgeous little book. It's basically a cookbook um, but it's much more than that so it's sort of a self-help book, a cookbook and it's got lots of jokes in it so it has menus for various occasions um, but, for example, it has dinner for the man you hope to marry on one page and then three pages later it says it has dinner for the man you're hoping to get rid of. So <laughs> it is a sort of self-help guide through food to living your best life. And um, she was very witty, my grandmother. She was a writer, obviously. And uh, this book has been in, in my bedroom for the last 20 years and I've long wanted to do something with it and it was just so lovely to be able to use something that was written by you know someone in the family and and give it a new lease of life and turn it into something quite different so in this book in the woman who wanted more we've got our heroine kate parker i don't obviously i don't want to give too many uh plot things away so i have to be very careful but uh yes the 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 book is is, is a real book but in your novel 
you have invented a character who is what based on your grandma was she as chippy as that uh was my grandma's chippy okay so it, it gets confusing so put your seatbelt on right so my real life grandmother was cecily finn and then became cecily zimmerman she wrote the book under the name cecily finn in the fictional book there is a fictional character called cecily finn who my grandmother lived to 100 and cecily finn in the novel is 97 um Cecily Finn in the novel is a very curmudgeonly, out of sorts, crotchety, difficult old cow, for want of a better noun. And um, my grandmother was nothing like that. <laughs> my grandma was my grandmother was a very kind, um, polite soul, and stayed in good humour until till she died at a hundred. Um, the character of Cecily Finn in the book, who is curmudgeonly and difficult, is more based on how I think I will be when I'm a 97-year-old. Oh, okay. So yeah. she's very grumpy, she's quite rude, she heckles people and nothing is ever quite good enough. So I sort of took this leap of imagination of if my life hadn't turned out how I wanted it, how would I behave when I'm stuck in a, a small room and can't walk around and can't eat the food I enjoy. So it was a sort of imagining myself as an old lady rather than writing about what my grandmother was like at That's all. That's interesting. I have used my real grandmother's book in fiction, as a fictional character's invention. So it is a little bit twisty and turny, but it does all make sense in the end, I promise. Yeah. Um, so yes, no, Cecily is a sort of guru, life coach, frenemy. You know, they go through a, a lovely arc of really not getting on at the start and then and then things evolve over time. Yeah, okay. So we've got our heroine who has a bad breakup, more on that in a bit, and she doesn't quite know how to spend her time. Then she ends up at um, Lauderdale House for Exceptional Ladies. That's right. Yes, where she meets Cecily. So I'm, like I say, I'm not going to do any spoilers. But it's, it's really lovely the way you've got uh, the different generations coming together in the book and how the older generation really can help the younger generation sort their lives out a little bit. Yeah. So some gentle advice. Yes, or less gentle in Cecily's case. I think, you know, in other cultures, people revere older people a lot more than they perhaps do in ours. And Yeah, the, I agree with you. The wisdom and experience that you have as you go yeah. through life is invaluable. Yeah. And yet we are all quite self-focused in these current times and perhaps see spending time with older people as as not as much fun as one could be having if one is watching yeah. Netflix or whatever. Yeah. But actually, uh, when I was researching the book, I spent quite a lot of time in an amazing uh, retirement home in North London. And the people, were, I, I could have moved in myself. They were just the most inspiring, interesting women and men that I've ever spoken to. And you just want to know what they've learned in the course of their lives. Because at that point in your life, you, you know, it is all retrospective. It is, it is, there's a huge amount to be learned but they've, they've got the time as well to tell you. And time does sort of stop when you go in there. We go and visit my husband's grandma, Grandma Jackie. She's 97. Oh, she's yeah. 97. And she's terrific. Yeah. And she'll chat on and she remembers things. She listens to the news all the time. She can have brilliant conversations with you about anything. And I actually wasn't very close to my grandparents. We moved around a lot. And sadly, they're not alive anymore. I go and see Grandma Jackie all the time. I love it. Amazing. Yeah. And, and she's very... Um, she's very alert. She's very with it. Yeah, she you know she gets she gets very frustrated at the, the the deterioration of her own of her own body because she's she's not feeling that yeah she's 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 phenomenal yeah no my my grandmother um she used to get the bus down to Selfridges when she was in her mid nineties I mean she was ferociously yeah. independent and she really did struggle with the loss of um fac uh, not faculties the loss of capabilities yeah. you know because her An mind independence. she was extremely lucky in that her mind stayed good right till the end and stuff mm. she could quote poetry by heart at 
the age of 100. I mean, Which is was, what your character Cecily yes, does as yes. well. Yeah, no, she's, she's, a, she's a show-off and a smart-ass, but she's also a, a woman who profoundly loves books and poetry and the power of words to change things. So, yeah, no, I tried to give her that quality for my grandmother. So if we're talking about the title, The Woman Who Wanted More, I guess it's that our, our heroine yeah, <laughs> just, just, just wants more, just, just thinks it's just not enough what her boyfriend is well, it's interesting. sort of offering. It was not my choice of title. I had called the book Shelf Life because it's That's massively good. about books. Yeah. Plus the heroine works in a supermarket. Plus there is the feeling that when you turn 40 as a woman, you're, you're done. You know, your chances of being attractive, you know, all this nonsense that society imposes or we impose on ourselves perhaps. Mm. Uh, but there's a feeling that, it, you know, your time is done and stuff. But there was the concern that that might sound like a negative title. So we brainstormed lots of titles. And then my editor, Ellie, she came up with The Woman Who Wanted More. The book is so much about hunger and appetite. Both of the central heroines want more of things in their life. And some of those things that they want more of are in their control and some of them are not. Uh, they both definitely want more food and stuff. But it, it is a book about appetite. And I think as women, we are encouraged to not show our appetite, not show our hunger, you know, to not have second portions of food to 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 be smaller perhaps than mm. we are and i think both these women are um deep down fiercely um passionate about life but for various reasons they've been slightly made smaller by the blows of life and stuff so it is about reclaiming what you actually want and refinding your voice i love that thank you there's a brilliant scene at the beginning the breakup Ugh. which <laughs> which i would say come on who does that but um, you his, knowing his you, knowing you a little like I do, um, this happened too. Yes, it's funny because um, my sister is like you. All your books are just basically totally based on your life, and you never make up anything, which is absolutely not true. I, I use a lot of imagination in my novels. However, I was in a relationship a few years ago with someone uh, who I was very in love with, um, and we went away on a holiday. And in bed on the second night, in the middle of this house, in the middle of France, in the middle of nowhere, he basically dumped me. <laughs> and it was so shocking. It was, it was a shock to me. I didn't see it coming at all. And it was so brutal. And it was, it was properly horrible because um, we couldn't leave the holiday. Well, we could have. I called my sister at five in the morning. I'm like, I think he's just dumped me. Uh-huh. She's like, get out, get out, leave, leave, yeah. come home. I'm like... But, like, I'd have to buy a new flight. And she's like, buy a new flight, just get out. But because it was a slightly ambiguous dumping, I sort of thought, ah, am I being overdramatic? So I I stuck in the broken relationship in this house in the middle of nowhere for another few days, and it was so awful and yet material. So thank you, Nora. You know, I managed to, I mean, it was, yeah, I I would suggest if you're planning on on ditching your partner, don't do it when you're on holiday. Not cool. Just maybe don't go on the holiday. Well, I didn't. Well, no, no, what him. You mean him? Oh, don't go see, on the holiday. I don't know if, if he, he was planning on dumping me. Um, I think he just was opportunistic and grabbed a window. God, for what ver- an idiot! Y- y- but you know, yeah, yes. I can. Yes. You didn't call him that. I called him that. <laughs> um, that that's that's really horrible to be broken up with when you can't just go home. Yeah, I think. Um, 
it was probably the worst thing about it was that we were trapped together in this house in the middle of rural... Not, not even in a nice hotel. No, where you, could, you know what gosh. I mean, where you could go down to the bar. I know, I know. The local, the nearest bar was 10 minutes away, the nearest cigarette shop, and I didn't even smoke in those <laughs> days, but I was like, I'm going to start smoking again because I need something to get through oh, this. I... It was like a... It was a proper nightmare. Because I was so shocked at being broken up with in this fashion... And so it it felt like a total shock and a 180. And so I had, the days after the breakup, I was, I would say I'm embarrassed to say I was crying. I'm not embarrassed to say I was crying. I was really very devastated and shocked. And he isn't very good at dealing with women crying. I'm not sure that that many men are, but I would be sort of trying not to cry because I was trying to look like I didn't yeah, care but and like the cool girl. But just fallen apart. I know, I know. But he, he would sit there reading about rockets on his iPad and I would be like trying to put on a brave face with his wobbling lip or, or, or actually all and out crying. And it was it was so awful. Like it would make a very good art house film or something because it was just like female breakdown, male absolute like yeah. emotional disconnect. Um, and it was awful because I kind of didn't want to look puffy and red-faced and snivelly-eyed. I always still wanted yeah, to look... Because you want to go, you want this. Yes, exactly. This you is what this, you'll be missing. You want this snotty girl. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just excruciating. And then, you know, it was confusing as well because I think he he was as surprised as I was that he had done it because, like, the next day he held my hand and we went for lunch and I was like, well, I want him to hold my hand so I'm not going to be like, get off. You know, maybe it was all a terrible mistake. So we were in this sort of hazy thing and then we'd go for lunch, but I couldn't eat because I was literally like, my throat had constricted from like sheer pain and trauma and he was like wolfing down the food and I was like <gasps> you know and it was, and just, like, it was just awful it yeah. was awful and um and then when we got back to <laughs> on the plane home he started doing the crossword and I I think I was looking at my future of oh god it's my birthday this week and a friend's wedding and I'm obviously not he's my ex isn't going to be with me at those events and I'm going to have to say actually we just broke up um, you know, and I'm going to have to tell everyone yeah, all about this. Yeah, that's all pretty crap. He's not a bad person but he's just he wasn't comfortable yeah. with emotion and yeah. I had a bit too much emotion at that point so. <laughs> I think that's allowed. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but like Adele, from great heartbreak comes great Absolutely. art, Vicky. Absolutely. So Absolutely. here we love are with, the, with, with the, <laughs> I love her. With the woman who wanted more. Do you feel, do you write, like, do you think, like, your, your lyrics are, are, you know, her lyrics are maybe, you can understand where, where she comes from when you're writing Literally, your books. Literally, is 21 the, the album that was the huge yes, one with yeah. Running in the Deep? There, there is not a song on that that I don't think, bloody hell, that's my life. How did she write my life? Because no, like, well, yeah. she's a brilliant songwriter and it's universal, but yeah. no, absolutely verbatim. Um, that album speaks to me as I think it spoke to millions of people about the rawness and the pain of of loss, you know, because um, heartbreak is, uh, we all, well, we don't all go through it. I think if you're brave enough to put yourself on the line, you stand a chance of, of having your heart broken. And I think it, and know all the cliches and stuff, but it does change you and hopefully it leads to something better on the other side. But no, I think uh, that album is a classic. Huge fan. Uh, listen, it's a beautiful book. I absolutely loved reading it. Thank you. It's called The Woman Who Wanted More. It's by the very, very brilliant and talented Vicky Zimmerman. Good luck with it. I know it'll do really, really well. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you love food, if you love people, if you love love and falling in and out of love, this is definitely the book for you. Thank you so much for being on the Magic Book Podcast. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. 